Hello and welcome to episode one of the Motivated Author Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Mitchell, and today we'll be delving into writing tips, motivation hacks, and step-by-step guides to keep you on track. So grab a cup of coffee or wine, no judgment here, and let's get into it. Not so long ago, I was exhausted, juggling a demanding full-time job with caring for my children. Now I'm a New York Times, Washington Post and USA Today best-selling author shortlisted for awards with the likes of Stephen King. I'm living the life of my dreams with the freedom to spend with the people I love. My goal is to inspire other creatives out there to keep going and get that book written because it is so worth it when you do. You may be wondering, who is this person and how can she help me? Well, as I said, my books have been international Amazon number one bestsellers in the UK, US and Australia. I've sold over 1.8 million books and had 15 translation worldwide. But it hasn't always been this way. I grew up in a tiny village in Ireland and I had very little aspirations. I didn't have a degree and my school report card said that my middle name was Daydreamer. (laughs) I didn't start writing until I was in my 40s and I never grew up wanting to be an author, although I did enjoy reading and uh, used to write creatively. But by the time I started writing, I was working long hours as a police officer and it was such a demanding job. And I had four children at home. I liked my job, but the hours were grueling and I missed out on so much with my kids. I used to get up at half five every morning to get the train to commute to work because they kept moving me further and further from my home. And in the police in the UK, they have every right to do that. Within a certain jurisdiction, they can move you with very little notice. And that was kind of what kept happening to me. I used to take my laptop and I would write on the train. And sometimes I'd see people looking over my shoulder. And then once they read what I was writing, which was quite crime thriller novels, they'd slowly edge away from the crazy lady on the train. I missed out on so much of my kids, though. And that was what hurt me the most. My youngest was very young and I missed out on Christmases, on school plays, on sports days and any mom or dad will know that it's really hard to miss those milestones. I remember one day I was talking to my colleagues in the CID office and we had a rare uh, downtime and we were all chatting about the future and police pensions. And someone mentioned the golden handcuffs, which basically means if you work a certain number of years in the police, then it gets very difficult to give in your notice because you're basically walking away from a very good pension. I remember telling my colleagues that I wouldn't see out 10 years in the police. I was like, that's it. No, I'm, I won't be 10 years in the police. And I'm not sure how long I was in at that stage. I guess I was seven years, maybe six, seven years in the police. But I didn't want to see out 10. And they all laughed because at that time I had no idea how that was going to happen. I mean, I was living from payday to payday, month to month, barely getting by. The pay wasn't that brilliant. Even as a detective, you know, (laughs) the money wasn't very good. And I had a four year pay freeze where we didn't get any uh, raise. And it was a bit demoralizing. 
and I had bills and a mortgage to pay like everyone else. But that day I made a pact with myself. I said to myself, no, I'm going to make this happen. I don't know how, but it's going to happen. I won't see out 10 years. I'll have left and I'll be happy in a job that I love, which gives me more freedom, obviously. And then funnily enough, not long afterwards, a colleague, a really lovely lady, gave me a copy of The Secret. It was a DVD back then and I watched it and it was just like a door opening for me. I mean, I must have watched it a hundred times. It just resonated with me so much. And I learned all about positive energy and the importance of mindset. And I set about putting that into practice every day. Now, it wasn't just about sitting there meditating and imagining what I wanted. I had to physically put it into practice to make things happen and try out things, you know, and see what I loved and what worked for me. And writing turned out to be one of those things. So would you believe that I gave in my notice of my job in the police on the 3rd of March, which was two weeks before I was nine years in the police? I left to become a full time author, of course. And the reason I'm telling you this is because there is magic in motivation. I mean, yeah, I can write, you know, and I can write pretty well, but I put serious hours into getting everything off the ground. And I had to work very hard because when I started writing, that's not the same writing that you see now. You know, it takes time and effort and hard work. But you know what? If I didn't have the motivation to keep going, I wouldn't have the most amazing life now. And I am so grateful. Um, for my time in the police because I have worked with brilliant people my colleagues and the people I was able to help and I broadened my horizon and I did what I set out to do which was you know to make a difference and help people that's why I joined in the first place and I know I know it sounds really corny but it's true and it's also why I've started this podcast I love writing but it's so isolating at times and it really gives me a buzz to help other people because I came so close to giving it up myself in the early days. I remember paying for feedback for my first manuscript and this editor who wasn't very well known and <laughs> oh, I even to think about it. I mean, she tore it apart, basically just tore everything apart. And my poor little fragile heart, you know, I was a delicate little soul when it came to my writing back then. I hadn't you know, develop the big, thick rhino hide that I have now when it comes to um, criticism. But anyway, at the time, I put my manuscript in a drawer for a whole year and I, I didn't touch it. I thought, no, that's it. I'm not good enough. I was right. Yeah, I'm not good enough to do this. Who am I kidding? You know, and if it wasn't for my husband's encouragement, I think I probably wouldn't have written another word. Now, I want to help you, me lovely listener, because if you've come this far on my podcast, then this is a life that you want too, And we have a lot to cover. So please don't forget to subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about me, then you can find me at carolinemitchell.co. Now, today I'd like to talk about the importance of setting goals, because without them, you're basically adrift. One of the biggest factors that stops people from writing is overwhelm. And I know I've been there. I've been so overwhelmed at the start because I just didn't know what to do next. I've written over 20 books and I still set daily goals for myself. And trust me, it makes all the difference. 
Goals basically equal clarity and they give you such a strong sense of direction. I mean, imagine going on a trip without a sat-nav or a map to somewhere you'd never been. You'd get lost, yeah? Well, I get lost with a sat-nav and a map, but <laughs> now everyone has such a bad sense of direction as me. But the same goes for writing. Use correctly goals that give you a really strong sense of motivation and be the driving force behind your work. They'll provide you with focus and help you cut through the noise and prioritize what matters. Now, here's a few key elements that I've drilled down on, which I think will help. Saying, yeah, I want to write and I want to write one day is just too vague. So now to say I want to write a 50,000 word romance novel by six months time and set the date, that's specific. I mean, just tracking your progress and using word counts will help as metrics. It'll help you get to those finished dates. Aim high, but, you know, be realistic. It depends on your current commitments, but do something every day. Obviously, you won't write a novel in a week. Not a good one anyway. <laughs> but deadlines are magical. They'll create a sense of urgency and kick that procrastination is touch because believe me, procrastination is the enemy of all authors and we are struck by it at some point or another. So it's all very well telling you about goals, but how do you set them? Well, I love planners, diaries, journals, you know, whatever works for you. I am a stationary geek, though, and a software geek. So I use all of that stuff with nice, colorful pens. So planners are useful and so are writing buddies to keep you on track. You know, you could head on over to my site at carolinemitchell.co for two of my freebies. And they're pretty good if I say so myself. The Plot Your Book in 14 Days workbook is on my homepage. And you'll find the ultimate author goal planner on my site too. And you can download them for free. And I've created them myself using the same technique that has worked for me for years. Because when I started off, I was really totally on my own when it came to this writing lark. My husband was really encouraging, but he didn't have a clue about how to write. <laughs> so I had to work through it the hard way. So I'm trying to make it easy for people now. So, well, here you go. This is what worked for me. But seriously, you know, don't get too hung up on how big a goal this is. Writing is meant to be fun. I mean, enjoy it. Look at me. I get paid to daydream. The very thing my teachers complained about on my school report card. I can travel from anywhere and work on my laptop. And I do. I know I'm very naughty, but I do bring my laptop on holiday with me as well and do a little bit of work uh, when I have some downtime. But I enjoy it. And it's not much difference to me than sitting on a sun lounger and reading a book. It's just amazing, really. And, you know, if you don't want to set massive goals, set some small little micro goals to begin with, if it all seems too much such as a daily goal of 200 words, because once you start writing, you might find you're, you know, you won't be able to stop. It is much better to, to um, write small amounts daily than to write thousands of words once a week and do nothing for the rest of the week. If you are a new author, I know there's some amazing authors who can write thousands of words in a weekend. But if you are starting off, the most important thing is to get that habit ingrained into your brain so you will carry on with it. And the best way of doing that is like anything, do it every day. And celebrate your small wins. You know, if you write a chapter, woohoo, you know, celebrate it, be proud of it. And, you know, if you miss a day, just adjust your goals as you go. 
it's better, as I said, to write little enough and then big chunks once a week, as long as you make note of how you're doing and check up on it regularly. You can check on your goals, say, every week or month to see if you're on track and then change it as you go along. You might find you could even be ahead. Who knows? Staying motivated can be tough, especially if you're juggling a job, family and maybe even a sneaky little Netflix or uh, Facebook addiction. But you can make writing a non-negotiable part of your routine, even if it's just 15 minutes a day. Just lock it in. I mean, you would skip brushing your teeth, would you? I mean, I hope you wouldn't skip brushing your teeth. (laughs) So think of it like that. It's like self-care for your soul. You owe it to yourself and, of course, to all these future readers who are going to love what you produce. Now, you might be interested in writing a book for a whole host of reasons. I mean, you could be a poet or you might want to publish a book of children's stories to reach your grandchildren or children one day. Or maybe you write for a hobby. Or maybe, like me, you believe that authors deserve to be very well paid for their work and you want to write for a living. Or you might just want it as a side income. There is no shame in expecting to be paid actual money for your work. And I will be discussing money blocks in a future episode. While I love to write, I'm not going to work for nothing in any sector and earning money from my writing gives me the freedom to produce more of it rather than stressing out and struggling to write on the side because let's face it, stress is a creativity killer. Now, I'm not going off on a tangent. The reason I've brought up money is because the use of goal setting amongst millionaires and billionaires is actually a very well documented subject. And I found some interesting facts about how these high achievers use goal setting in their lives. Okay, so I'm just going to touch briefly on each goal, you know, ones I've uncovered in my research. And you can use what works for you. I'm going to start with what's called SMART goals. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll switch off when you hear acronyms. But, you know, hang on in there. It's worth listening to and worth finding out more about. I mean, many millionaires and billionaires swear by the SMART goal framework and SMART goals just simply stand for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and time bound. So each of those, you know, you write them down and you set your goals by them and try and stick to them week by week. They do fit in really well for authors, which is why I've included them in my free author guide. Another millionaire goal setting tactic is what's called a 525 rule. Now, Warren Buffet, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, but I doubted mine. He's worth in the region of $121 billion and he uses goal setting and he recommends writing down 25 career goals, for example, then prioritizing the top five. Because according to him, focusing on those top five priorities and ignoring the other 20 is the key to success. Now, I guess you can make this work for other goals as long as you make sure that writing a book is at number one. Have you heard of vision boards? I mean, that's another one. And I I quite like them myself. I find them a lot of fun. I'm not the only one, though, because Oprah Winfrey swears by them. And vision boards are what they say they are, really. They're basically a visual representation of your goals to manifest your ambitions into reality. I mean, it's not all woo-woo stuff. I know some people roll their eyes once they hear the word manifestation, but some people like me absolutely relish it. 
because to me it works, you know, and, and it is just another word for thinking positive and being open to things when they're right in front of you. Because when you're in a dark place or a negative frame of mind, you don't always see what's available. And, you know, I love vision boards because they're just so simple. I mean, it could be something as easy as setting up a Pinterest board online and adding all the things that you want in your life, such as your dream home, your car, holiday destinations, and of course, your best selling books. Or it could be that you're more hands on and you can actually draw out and actually putting that energy into drawing something is even better because you're spending longer on it. Or you could cut them out of magazines and put them on your board in your office. Anything that works, basically, as long as you look at them regularly and look at them every day if you can to keep you on track. We've also got the 80-20 principle. Now, several affluent people, including Richard Branson, follow this Pareto principle, which I honestly never heard of before until I started delving into my research for this podcast. It involves focusing on 20% of the activities in your life, which are the most important and which will generate 80% of the results. Because what they're saying is that life isn't fair. You know, not everything is even. They're not balanced. So this kind of makes sense when you look at it like this. Say 20% of your readers buy 80% of your books. Well, then it makes more sense to focus your effort on pleasing the 20% rather than the 80% of readers who'll buy a book of yours every now and again. And I'm also a fan of long-term thinking. Now, long-term thinking is simply planning ahead further than next month or even next year. I mean, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, is famous for this and you could say he's done quite well and his goal setting often involves five to seven year plans I often find it interesting when talking to people and and you'd say well right what's your life goals you know I'm an introvert I don't do small talk so (laughs) if I find someone interesting we could be talking all night but I'll ask some kind of deep questions like what's your life goal and you know when someone just looks at you blankly and goes oh, ah, I don't have any, you think, well, you need to get some because it it does help. And and I find them very useful. You know, speaking of long term goals, you can also shrink that down as well, because on the other hand, Elon Musk, uh, he needs no introduction, does he? He's known to break his day into five minute blocks to maximize productivity. If I'm having a day where I know or even a string of days where I'm thinking, I am not being productive. I'm not getting enough done. And that's making me miserable. So come on, let's fix it. I will sit down with my planner and hour by hour say, right, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And then only then, you know, you become more conscious of wasting time and uh, be more focused on the tasks ahead. So that works quite well as well. Another great tactic is budding up with someone and finding an accountability partner, which I know lots of people do. I know there's great Facebook groups when people will go into what's called a writing sprint thread and say, right, come on, let's uh, all start a writing sprint. And they'll say what they started with that morning and they'll come back and say what they finished with or, or even an hour later. Now, the only problem with that for me is once I go into Facebook, I'm like, oh, oh, look at this post. And I'm down the rabbit hole and it's really counterproductive because I don't get a lot done, which is why I've actually not been on social media a whole lot in the run up to this while I've been planning my podcast and everything, because, yeah, it is a time suck. So you do have to be careful there. But you can meet people online if you can, if you 
you can't meet anyone at a writing group or locally that will be your cheerleader and help you out or equally it could work for both of you that you can cheerlead each other you can alternatively have someone that you talk to online and say once a month have a zoom call that can be quite effective just knowing it's a bit like weight watchers isn't it once you know you have to step on that scale it's like oh come on do the work because i'll be far too embarrassed to go up and and they've done all this way you know they've done loads and i've done nothing so it is a great way of encouraging you to get things done I was also interested to read how Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx. Now, I'm sure most women have heard of these torture devices. Spanx has done very well. She grew up with her father actually asking her how she failed every week. Now, he wasn't being um, disempowering or, you know, putting her down. They were using it as a goal, which is very interesting. And the goal was to destigmatize failure and see it as a learning experience. So it could be, how did you fail? Okay, well, we know not how to do that. So what are you going to do instead? So it is a really different but effective goal setting that works and works for her and she still uses it now and works for writers too because you're definitely look man you're going to fail there's going to be times you're going to fail you, you got to just pick yourself back up and dust yourself off this job is like a roller coaster i remember saying to someone you're so focused on getting that first book as a bestseller and you get to the top of that mountain and you go yay and then you look and it's like oh crap there's like a hundred other mountains but you know sometimes that's half the fun isn't it climbing that mountain so you have to be prepared for that but it is so worth it it is all these wins I think it's just what gives me the buzz and keeps me going as well during the hard time that knowing that, that anything could be around the corner so I've given you lots of examples here and they vary but really you know the pattern is clear and you find something that works for you and as you say it could be something just as simple as writing in your diary or your journal every day and restructuring it at the end of the week to suit what's ahead but it's there as a tool it's not there to stress you out it's there as a tool it's something to get excited about and most importantly it will keep you on track so i'd love to hear how you get on with this and i'd love to hear how you keep a track of your writing if you keep a track of your writing and those life goals have you got life goals i'm on social media and of course i'm on my site as well carolinemitchell.co so do keep in touch and let me know how you get on with these uh, goals so before we say goodbye remember that the world needs your story you have a unique voice and perspective that only you can share so you make it count. Thanks so much for joining me. And if you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend who might benefit from it too. And leave me a nice review if you get a few seconds to do so. Hopefully I'll see you in the next episode. And until then, happy writing. And don't forget to download those free guides at my website, carolinemitchell.co. Until next time. Bye-bye.